Amen. If you're ready for the word, can I get a what, what? Amen. Everybody, open up your Bibles with me to the book of Ephesians. Are you excited? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here. Thank you so much for coming. We're going to learn today about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Somebody say, filled with the Spirit. Amen. Filled with the Spirit comes from Ephesians 4.17. And if you've been with us for a while, you've watched me read this passage many times. This will be the last time we read it as we prepare to move on to a new passage next week about learning to have a healthy marriage and to be husbands and wives and moms and dads and all of those wonderful things. So if you're new in the church, what we're doing right now is we're going to the book of Ephesians. We're going to read it today. But we're going to it right now verse by verse going through the whole book, and we've already gone through these things that you can see up top called heavenly-minded, and now we're in the earthly good because we want to be so heavenly-minded that we change the earth for good. Anybody that says that you can't, uh, don't be so heavenly-minded, you won't be able to do any earthly good, they're not right. Jesus was so heavenly-minded, he changed the earth for good. Are you with me on that? So that's what we've got to do. And the first part of the earthly good uh, section is Paul instructing on Christian living, and those instructions are a lot, and we have gone through about 17 of them, and we have read through this passage about that many times. I've combined some of them together, but I think you have felt the weight of this passage. How many have heard this passage one or two times? How many have heard it more than one or two times? All right, yeah, you guys have been here for a while. Let me read through it, and let's get to the message. Uh, Paul speaking here, he says, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They're darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Look at your neighbor and say, Don't have a hard heart. Keep your heart soft. They lost all sensitivity. They've given themselves over to uh, indulge in every kind of impurity. They're full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ, were taught in him in accordance with the truth that's in Jesus. How many of you have been taught to live for Jesus here? Amen. Thank you for coming every week. It's an honor to be your pastor, and that's what we enjoy doing in our life groups as well. Verse 22, you were taught. This is what all Christians should be taught, as Apostle Paul taught. With regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind. So everybody say, everybody say a new mind. See, a new mindset shows a new life. You start with your thinking, then your actions. Put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You were created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You don't do righteous things first and get made righteous. Because you confess your sins to Christ, you are made righteous the moment you're born again. You are not born again a sinner as the first time you were born. You were born a sinner the first time, born again a saint the second time. Amen? So stop acting like you ain't right. Stop saying nobody's perfect. Stop saying you're not holy. God made you holy, all right, because God don't make no junk, as they used to say. You're righteous. You're holy. Now act like it. That's how you do it that way. I don't try to uh, make a non-existent person do good works. Let me say it like this. I don't say to my child that hasn't been born yet, I'm going to teach you math. I teach the child math. How many see that? That's obvious, right? If I talk to a make-believe child and said, I'm going to teach you math, that's silliness. 
the child doesn't even exist. The child has to be born first, then it learns math. Are you listening? We do not teach sinners commands. They are dead on the inside. They cannot do one thing. Literally, they're futile. The Bible says they have nothing to offer God. Their greatest deeds on their best day is filthy rags, a woman's menstrual rag, as the Bible says in Isaiah. That's what it literally means there. So you can't tell them to do anything other than repent, be born again. So what happens first? Is my child born first or they learn mathematics first? What happens first? Are you born again first or do you keep the commands of God first? You're born again first. The only commands you can keep is repent, confess Jesus is Lord. So now that's your born again. Do you have the nature of Christ? Yes, you do. You're not part sinner. You're not part saint. You're not like, uh, uh, you know, these, these fictional characters that are part animal, part man. You know, you're not a Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. You are a saint of God that lives in an earthly body. Your earthly body and your brain can tempt you, but you are not your brain. You are your mind. Your brain dies, goes in a grave. Your mind goes with your soul to heaven. Do you see the difference? You are not your hormones. You're not your genitalia. You're not your adrenaline when you get mad in traffic. You are a soul made in the righteousness and the holiness of God. Act like it. Live like it. Believe it as a Christian. Stop saying you're not what God says you are. You were made. You read the scripture again with me, saints, because I know some people don't want to be a saint. They want to be an ain't. I ain't that. I'm not that. Well, that's your problem, them. I'm a new self, and I've been created. Somebody say, I've been created. Like God, to be true righteous and to be true holiness. That's who you are. You are true righteousness. You are true holiness. Now, where is your butt in there, okay? There is no butt in there, but pastor this, but pastor that. I don't see room for your big old butt in there, amen? Go on slim fast and be like Jesus. Put on the new self. No arguments. Stop saying, stop saying potty words out of your mouth. Say what Jesus said and say, I'm a new self and I was created. I didn't make myself. God created me to be like him. I was created God-like. I was created godly. If you're a child of God, then what are you like? If I'm a child of a human being, what am I like? If you're a child of an eagle, what are you like? Can you do what an eagle does? No, because you ain't born like an eagle. You can't fly 30,000 feet, okay? Can a sinner do what a Christian does? No, because they haven't been born of God. But can you do what a Christian does? Yes, because you've been born like God. You've been born in the image of Christ. That's how you were once made. Sin took it away. Christ brought it back. Somebody say, bring it back. See, that's the real old school, all right? That's the real old school is living like Jesus. Therefore, now this is because, because of that, because I've been created like Jesus, now therefore, put off falsehood. Speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. There's never an excuse to lie. In your anger, don't sin. Never one excuse to sin in your anger. Why? You're a new creation. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Don't let the devil have a foothold. Anyone that's been stealing, steal no longer, but must work. Are these suggestions or are these commands? These are commands to Christians who can actually keep them. Well, what happens when we don't keep them, pastor? Well, what you don't do is make excuses is to keep doing them. That's what you don't do. You don't say to the police officer after you've been pulled over, well, everybody else is breaking the speed limit, and why do we even put this here anyway? I don't believe in this. You don't do that. You say, have mercy on me, police officer. I have made a mistake, right? And you don't then speed away from the police officer going 80 miles an hour again. 
okay, because he'll let you off the next time. No, no, no. We come before God as Christians when we sin. I may be perfect in Christ, but I may not be sinless. There's a difference. Perfect relates to my DNA and who I am. Sinless has to do with my actions. I don't always sin. Uh, I don't always live without sin. But since knowing Christ and who he made me to be, I have sinned less. Since I believe God made me sinless, I sin less. Are you listening? And when when I do sin, I repent. I actually mean it. Like my thinking about this was wrong. My actions were wrong. And guess what, God? I don't want to do it again. That's true repentance. Can I hear an amen? So stop stealing. That's what the Bible says. Stop lying. Stop getting in trouble with your anger. Work. Do something useful with your own hands that you may have something to share with those in need. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Well, I don't know where that came from. Well, I know right where it came from. It came from your dirty heart. Let Christ cleanse your heart and speak from the abundance of your heart pure words. So don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth ever. Guard your heart, but only what, uh, only what is helpful for building those up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. What grieves the Holy Spirit of God? All those things we just talked about. Sin grieves God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all. Somebody say all. What do you think all there, A-L-L in the Greek means? It means all. Get rid of all bitterness. Keep none. Get rid of all rage. Keep none. Get rid of all anger. Keep none. Get rid of brawling. Keep none. Get rid of all slander. Keep none. Get rid of every form of malice. These are the commands where a Christian goes, amen, I can do this. When I teach my son math, he goes, I can do this. When I teach him a pull-up, he says, I can do it. I know what my son is capable of at each stage of maturity. When you are born again, you are mature enough to take these things on. You will grow up into learning them, but you're mature enough to hear the command. You're mature enough to hear, get rid of all of it. I'm made in the image of Christ. None of it's acceptable now. Amen. In verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow uh, Beyonce's example. You heard about that, the Beyonce mass? I got it on Facebook. They're crazy out there in the world now, worshiping Beyonce and all this and using Beyonce as a draw to get people to come to their mass. It's, it's online. You can see it on my Facebook. Now, do you understand why we can follow God's example? Because in the prior verse, it said, I was made like God. Can I follow the example of an eagle right now and fly 30,000 feet in the air? No, why? Because I wasn't made like an eagle. But can I follow the example of, of, of my dad and uh, walk down the road and run and do what my dad did? Absolutely, because I was made like my dad. Are you listening? Can a sinner follow God's example? No, but can you follow God's example? But no money for that. No money for that. Is that what you're supposed to say when he says, follow my example? Well, well, gosh darn it, nobody's perfect, God. That's not fair. Ask me to follow Oprah's example. That's so much easier, God. I don't want to follow your example. I didn't know. I didn't know. I want to follow somebody else's example. Come on. Why is it we don't understand this? What, do, what don't we understand about this phrase? Follow God's example. God is perfect. Uh, okay, wouldn't there be a great scripture that said be perfect like your heavenly Father is perfect? Wouldn't that just be awesome if it just clarified it once and for all what God is like and what you're supposed to be like? Turn in your Bibles to Matthew 5, 48 and tell me what you think this means. Be, therefore, as your heavenly Father is. Okay, any confusion? Go, therefore, and do likewise. You know why you can do perfect? Because you were made perfect. How many of you right now are perfect at not uh, stealing from your neighbor's purse or from their wallet? 
Okay, be perfect at other things like that too. Guess what? Sin doesn't have to ever be your habit again. Sin is not your addiction. Sin is not your master. You've got another one, and his name is Jesus. And who the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen? So don't let anybody sell you a bunch of goods in religion and say you're still a slave to sin. Well, their Jesus is some false Jesus down the road, Jesus that sells in lotes. That's not the Jesus I follow. The Jesus that I follow destroyed the works of the devil that we might have life and have it abundantly. I will follow God's example. And if I don't and my wife reminds me, I'll be quick to repent. And if I don't and you remind me, I'll be quick to repent because my example is God himself. I was made in his image, not from the goo through the zoo to you. I didn't come in the image of a monkey, and that's why we shouldn't get mad if people in school teach them they're monkeys, and then they act like monkeys in an animal kingdom where they eat and kill their own young. We don't believe we came from animals. We came from God, in the image of God, and it was lost in sin, restored in Christ. That's why he died on the cross, not to just give you a ticket to heaven, but to transform your very nature that's why he told the most religious man of the day, Nicodemus in John 3, verse 3, be born again, for without it you can't even see the kingdom of God. You can't even see the thing without getting born again. But once you are born again, you can see the glory of God and the plan that he has for you. It's not like today I'm better at Christianity than you are. I'm not better at this than you are. We all have fallen short of this. But if you see anything good in me, it's because Christ made it in me. That's why we go back to our passage in the book of Ephesians, and we see in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, how we're saved. It says, for it is by grace you've been saved, through faith. So the prideful, the religious, they're still damned. The one who says, I'm not that bad, I'm not the one that needs saving, go talk to those people. They're the one going to hell. They're the hypocrite, the Bible says. But all those who admit they're sinners, they become saints. It's not like you become a saint because you're such a great Christian. No, you become a saint because God makes you one. That's why in the Bible we're called saints. Somebody say, I'm a saint. This word right here, holy people, is the word saint. When you look to the more, you know, it's hagios in the Greek, but when you look to the more older translations like King James and all that, they'll actually say it. In, in our new translations, like NIV, they put holy ones and things like that. And so some of us were raised to think that saints were people who died and that will never be that, you know. But that's not the way it ever was meant to be. Look at yourself in the Bible. Imagine Paul's writing this to you. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the Saints, which are at Chicago on Diversity Street, to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace from God our Father. You know, this is who you are. And so when we go to the scriptures, and I want to show you this as well, when you, when you see the scriptures in Ephesians chapter 2, it says, for it is by grace you have been saved. It is the gift of God. It's not from yourself. It's through faith, and it's, it's not by work so that anyone can boast. But look at verse 10, because it sounds just like what we've already read, that we're created like God in true righteousness and holiness. Look at what verse 10 says, for we are God's hand handiwork created, past tense, in Christ Jesus to now do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Can I hear an amen? So is following God's example something I can do? Yes. Why? Because I was created in his image, and every work that he wanted me to do that was good, he already went ahead of time to perform it, and I just go in his power to do it. I wish I could just mic drop it. Come on. 
Yes, pastor, you mean the good work for me to stop looking at BigHooters.com was already prepared for me to do? Yes, in Christ Jesus, it's already prepared for you to delete it by faith. Go do it now. You mean, pastor, the good work of not only letting God have my heart but my wallet and being faithful to give a tithe and breaking off greed and the love of money? You mean the good work of generosity was already prepared? Yes, before you were ever born, Christ settled what Christianity would look like for you every step of the way gave you the power and is just waiting for you to inherit it to walk in it oh come on somebody it's like pac-man you know everywhere he goes he gets that little thing he gets that little thing every step you take with jesus you get all that you need and the beauty of it is you have it even before you start you start at the finish line in Christianity. All other religions, they're trying to get to the end to hopefully be saved. It's Ramadan right now in Islam, and they're doing all that to hope to be saved. My friends, you start at the finish line in Christianity, saved, born again, created in the image of God, prepared a place in heaven for me. Now because of that, dearly loved children, walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us, gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering, sacrifice to God. And among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality, just like my children are allergic, one of them, two of them now, to peanuts. One hint will blow them up, put them into the hospital, have to get the shots. The Bible says that's how deadly sin is. So don't even let there be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for what? God's jacked up people? No, these are improper for God's holy people. So because I was made holy, God wants me to stay holy. I'm not trying to be made holy, like one day I'll get there, one day I'm going to get rid of this stuff, and I'll be like a really good Christian. No, God says you start off as a really good Christian because of what Christ did on the cross when he said it's finished. There was your Christian walk finished right there, okay? There was your process, because everybody's in a process. This is my journey to discover myself. Okay, your process, your journey was finished when Jesus said it is finished. Now, do we grow, do we grow in the knowledge of God. Absolutely. But it's not from something you're trying to achieve. It's from something you already have. Will my child grow up in the knowledge of being a Wyrostic and in in his maturity do different things? Yes. But the, the Bible literally says the morality is the base level of Christianity. You're not even ready. If you can't do this and get rid of the hint of all of these things, you're not even ready for the four horsemen of the apocalypse. You know, you're not ready for like, you know, all of these other things. This is day one of Christianity. This is who you are, live like it, move on. Amen? This is like me telling my child day one, don't eat the dog food. Shouldn't be a hint of it on your plate tonight. Like, you need to learn, child, don't take the dog food on your plate. That's not you. And we should look at the same way. Like, sin does not belong in our lives. Amen? Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Here's the serious part. For with this uh, you can be sure. No immoral, impure, greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So serious. So verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, the wrath of God comes on those who are what? Disobedient. That means you could have done otherwise. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For once you were darkness. How many once you should be darkness, sinners, separated from God? But now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light, let's say it all together, consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. What marks the Christian's life? Conferences, books, and Christian concerts. 
No, what marks the Christian's life? Confessing their sin all the time, jacked up, and always asking for help from the pastor. No, no, what marks the Christian's life? All goodness, righteousness, and truth. That, which, that should mark your life. If this does not mark your life and you think you're a Christian, like I've said before, you got that dollar store Christianity, okay? You bought that dollar store bracelet that made your wrist turn green because this is what real Christianity looks like. Christianity makes you like God. Christianity gives you a new self. Christianity has you hate sin and love, love goodness. Christianity has you out of darkness. True Christianity brings you into light. And true Christianity has your life marked by goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. See, this is what happened, by, by the way. Let me let you in on a little secret of pastors. See, this is what happens when you actually read the Bible verse by verse instead of stopping and telling a story about your dog and your kids and five jokes. And, and every now and then you'll just hear a scripture like, boo, just thrown out there in the middle of nowhere. See, when I read it verse by verse, it kind of just like says it for us, doesn't it? It really does. It's, it's, it's not as, I know it's not as funny as me telling you about the time I've fallen off my bike and I got back up and learned to ride. I know it's not as cute as me telling you the times my children have tried to drink toilet water and I've had, you know, all these little life examples. I know like we love that in church. We just love it when the pastor tells us 20 minutes of stories with two verses disconnected from the entire Bible, but it makes us feel we can be a better you and have a better life. I know it's not as cool as that to the folks that think that's cool, but to a church that loves the Word of God and wants the diet of meat and potatoes, how many can see the truth of righteousness, goodness, as it goes verse by verse? Now you can find out what pleases the Lord. There you go. Because the Word's been given to you, now you can go do likewise. Go please the Lord. Go please Him on your job. Go please Him with your family. Go please Him in your marriage. God, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, will be grieved when you sin. How many of you, since being a Christian, have sinned and you felt the Holy Spirit get grieved? And the grieving was more than your conscience. Because before you were a Christian, your conscience was fine cussing people out. But then as a Christian, you did the same action, but now you didn't feel the same. Because you had the Holy Spirit. You see how helpful the Holy Spirit is? It's almost like he's God inside of us, isn't he? I mean, the Holy Spirit, right? It's like we stop thinking about him like Casper the ghost. Like, oh, I got a little Dito Holy Spirit in here. Hello, Holy Spirit. No, Holy Spirit is equal to the Father and the Son. And the Bible says he comes in power, but he also comes in comfort. He comes in encouragement. He guides us. He speaks on behalf of the Son. We hear the voice of the Father and the Son through him. Wow, so I can know how to please God. Yes, verse 11, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Have no thing to do with them, the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It's shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret, so we shouldn't be obsessed with sin. Pay $7.99 to go to a movie theater to see it, uh, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, That's uh, and everything illuminated becomes a light. That's why it said, wake up, sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look at your neighbor and say, wake up. It's just the introduction. It's just the introduction. We haven't even got to the message yet. We haven't even got there. I'm getting there as fast as I can right now. Be very careful then how you live, not as wise, but as uh, unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So now you know. Verse 18 is today's passage. Let's read it together. One, two, three. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the whole, filled with the Spirit. Thank you. Today's message is not getting drunk on wine, but being filled with the Spirit. 
The rest of the passage goes on speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. How many love to sing to Jesus? Amen. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That completes the section on Christian living. Let's give it up for our church that loves the Word. Amen. We have combined, I think, two or three different times. Today's a combination of 15, 16, and 17. But I, I think you've at least heard it read and explained to you at least 13 times. So I pray that if you've missed the church and any of those services, you go back, find on this list where you're dealing with something, and hear what the Word of God has to say to you. Today I'll be combining 15, 16, and 17, which is don't get drunk, be filled with the Spirit, sing to one another with psalms and hymns, and always give thanks to the Father. As always, these notes are online and on our app right now. You can follow along and see exactly what I'm seeing if the fonts up there is small. Let's talk about being filled with the Spirit. When you look to this text, it starts off by saying, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Now, debauchery is a crazy way of acting, and we've seen people act like that when they're drunk. So what does debauchery look like? It looks like your cousin at the 4th of July party, okay? Just have a visual of that. Your cousin's hitting on everybody at the park. He's starting a fight. Uh, you know, that's what debauchery is. You become perverse. You become loud. You become, per, you know, perverted and all of that. And the Bible is saying, don't do that. Now, if you notice, it doesn't say you can't drink wine. Jesus turned the water into wine. And so here's an example of where you've heard an old saying. It's actually true. Moderation in all things that are good. In all good things, moderation. The Bible teaches us that he actually gave us wine to marry our heart. He gave us food to enjoy the fruit of the land. And the Bible then says, in all your eating and drinking, do it to the glory of God. But if we ever abuse those things, those things can become harmful to us. So you know what? It's all right to have chocolate cake. Just have what? A little chocolate cake. It's all right to have wine if you're over age and you're mature enough, but just have a little bit of wine. It's okay to go shopping, ladies. Just go buy a little bit, right? It's okay, guys, to like your cars and spend money on those things. Just spend a little bit. Do not, as of what it's saying here, is what, what it uses as drunkenness, you could put for any worldly pleasure. Do not overdo the pleasures of this world because they always lead to bad things. You go after your job, you become a workaholic. Don't pursue your job to fill the hole that only God can fill in your soul. Don't go to food to fill only what God can do. But here's, hear this, everybody. It's not saying don't love pleasure. The Bible actually speaks of pleasure as a good thing, and God even says it as this. In my presence, Jesus said, is the fullness of joy, and at my right hand are pleasures forevermore. So desiring pleasure over pain is not a bad thing. I understand why a lot of people get drunk. It's because they don't want to have the mind on their problems and the mindset of this world. And they think that makes them happier. But in the end, it has a consequence. I know why. Everybody look up at me, please. I know why people have sex out of marriage. It's not because, oh, it hurts so bad we have to do it again. No, sex outside of marriage and sex feels good when it's done right. Are you listening? But you can become a sex 
addict. You can become a pervert. You can pervert or divert the original version of God. That's what perversion is, a diversion of the original version. I understand money's good. We all want to have it to use it for good things. But the love of money leads to the many wicked things that follow. Look at this scripture and see if you can put in something in your life you have chased after and it has resulted in a bad thing. Do not love spending all your time fishing because it leads to an unhappy wife at home. That would be mine. Hello, I'm telling on myself. See, don't overdo wine because it leads to this. Don't try to hang out with your friends all the time, young people, and, de- and, and avoid God in private devotions. Older people, don't work so much. Take your vacations that you don't put time for God because your children will grow up without knowing God. There is a consequence to all of our actions. And what Paul uses here specifically about ingesting alcohol to the point it takes away our sobriety is actually supposed to be seen as ingesting the Holy Spirit. That's why he says, instead, be filled with the Spirit. And so that example of, you know, drinking this alcohol is supposed to be an example, a metaphor for us going, look, 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 with the Holy Ghost. And instead of trying to get high on alcohol or drugs, we're supposed to get high on the most high and never come down. We're supposed to look at another mindset, not a mindset of folly and debauchery, but a mindset of Christ, which is higher than the low-level thinking of this world. Just as an eagle is higher than a chicken, getting high on the mindset of God will take you out of the sinfulness of this world. That's high. You know how they describe being high? Get high on Jesus. Are you all listening? Get high on Jesus. And when you do that in the spirit, the Bible says there's a satisfaction that comes. Because uh, when, when I was drunk, and I don't glorify drunkenness at all, my sister died drinking and driving, so nobody tried this to be cute. But in my times of drunkenness, what I would find is a temporary pleasure of shutting off my brain from the things that bothered me in the world. And you see, that's, what I ch- that's why I chased after it. But when I became a Christian, I understood I don't have to run away from my problems or run to a chocolate cake or run to food or run to shopping or run. I remember going to Blockbuster so much as a new Christian because I didn't know what to do with my time because I wasn't partying and hanging out. They said, you come here all the time. I got so convicted. I said, yeah, it's almost like I've substituted one bad thing with another bad thing. Well, not as bad, but you know, it was a bad thing. So it convicted me to go back into my prayer closet and to spend more more time with God. You see, what God is trying to say to us through here is that anything you substitute with being filled with the Holy Spirit never will satisfy. But the thing about being filled with the Holy Spirit is everything we were looking for in those things, we find the fulfillment in God. So watch this now. Now when I eat and drink with the fullness of the Spirit, I enjoy eating and drinking like never before. Now that I have a wife and and sexual relationships, I have greater sex life with Jesus and my wife than ever before. And it's not perverted. Are you listening? Now that I have godly friends to hang out with, being full of the Spirit, because I'm not supposed to be partners with those who are full of sin, now I have a fullness in my relationship with them because I have a fullness in the Spirit. The full life of the Spirit or the Spirit-filled life fills all the parts of your life. Changes the way you look at your job. Why? Because you come to your job, 
You know, like as if you drunk too much and you got that little hiccup. You, you come to your job. I'm just high on Jesus. You know, you're kind of like that old cartoon wino guy walking around with your thing. You come to your job. I'm high on Jesus. You don't look at the world the same way anymore. Because you, you're getting high off God's supply. You, you have something that the job could never give you that's an inner satisfaction. So you're not going to the job for that now. You're going to the job to be productive, to help people in life, to change the world and whatever you're doing. And you're coming there with the overflow of Jesus, and it just changes everything. The same thing in your relationships. You're, you're not coming there drunk in a way. Because you know sometimes you just couldn't go to that, that, that family function unless you drank in the car or took the first shots when you got there. You were like, oh, man, I can't deal with this aunt right now. Help me, Jesus. You know, and you come there and you're like, hey, how's everybody doing? I know y'all ready to have fun. Bum, 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 you know, and it's just like, let me do it this way. Well, you know what? You come to that family environment. You come there with Jesus' wine, the Holy Spirit, and you say, I can handle your crazy now. I can handle all your craziness because my mind is not where you are. I'm high on Jesus. Some of you don't like the comparison of comparing the Christian life to alcohol or anything like that. Then you, then you got a problem with Paul because he picked it out, okay? He didn't say, you know, a living for Jesus is like reading a great book at the library. No, he, he, contradict, uh, he contrasted. You want to get drunk. You want this, but you should have this. Do you get it? So that's why I'm using that example, not glorifying sin. What I'm saying is there's a reason why people want to do that. And like I said, if your thing's not alcohol, it could be your 80-hour-a-week job. You're going there to hide things in your life. You're going there because you don't want to deal with the other parts of the real world. You know, you can hide it within never wanting to be alone. A lot of, a lot of people can never be alone. The, they break up with one relationship, go to the other. And what you're doing is you're searching for pleasure outside of God. And so remember this, God does not want you to have emptiness, God wants you to have fullness. And how, how full of God's Spirit will you be? You'll be so full of God's Spirit that you'll want to sing to people. I know that stuff we've only seen at the bar when people have kicked back a lot and they're like, it's time to karaoke sing, you know, and they're singing up, there's some karaoke song, they don't care who hears them, you know. Or, or you know, the guy at the, you know, the, the baseball game, take me out to the ball game, take me out, you know. And whatever in God's name is happening here every Saturday, the bum, 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 that's how it sounds to me as a gringo. Whoa, bum, 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 bum. And you just want to sing. You just, you, you know, you've got your Michelob and you're just singing to everybody. The Bible says you'll be so excited about what God's doing on the inside of you, you'll sing. Now, does that mean the world and its problems disappear? No, we got people like Paul and Silas that sang after they got whipped and beaten for serving Jesus, put in a jail cell. They sang at midnight. So it didn't matter what was going on on the outside of them. Their song was always strong on the inside because they were full on the Holy Spirit. They were filled with God. Amen. And so you and I need to be the kind of people that can go to our jobs whistling while we work because we're full of the Spirit, not just in church, but everywhere we go. And then lastly, we should be thankful for everything. So what does the Spirit-filled life look like? It looks like us not substituting the Spirit with worldly things, instead being continually filled with the Holy Spirit. It means singing and making music from your heart and sharing it with others. And then lastly, being thankful to God for everything. Can I hear an amen? 
I'm going to ask that Berto would come forward with this closing example. And uh, my brother, would you come and grab this for me, please? Thank you. Thank you, Will. I want everyone to think about this. Look at Isaiah chapter 58, verse 11. You, somebody say, I will be. Come on, this is God speaking to us in the new covenant. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Somebody say, my waters never fail. I want to give you an example now of what I think most people think Christianity is. And sadly, this is the way they go through life, okay? Most people, I'm talking Christians now. I'm not talking non-Christians. I want to talk to my people, my gente, my folks right here. Most Christians think that this is how they were born again. They were born again empty like this. And then they have to come to church and they have to come sing some songs, hear a preacher preach, and this, this big here pitcher of water represents God and the Holy Spirit, and they got to come and sing some songs, hear some preaching, woo, and get filled. Oh, we're filled now. We're filled now. We, that church service was great. That pastor told me I can make it, told me Jesus loved me for the 1,200th time. This is awesome being a Christian. And this is how most Christians think. You know, I had to come to church and get filled up, pastor. I sure filled me up. And then, you know, Monday comes, and man, they're tired, and they got to have their coffee, and all oh, but traffic, and all of those things. And then Tuesday comes, and their job doesn't, you know, go right, the boss, the employees, and then the hump, you know, Wednesday comes, and bills come, and well, Friday's here, but man, I'm so tired, I can't enjoy it, and then Saturday, I got laundry, and oh, man, I'm empty again. I got to go back to church. This is how most Christians think about Christianity. If you talk to them, this is what they, they say. And they'll tell you, you know, I'm running on empty. I got to go back to church or I got to go to that conference. And, and maybe you might even come here and you'll say, oh, pastor, but I love this church. And pastor, you know what? I'm even going to stay a little bit later after you dismiss people. And I'm going to let, you know, let my husband and wife, you know, let my husband or wife know I'm going to worship here longer. I'm going to get filled up again. I'm going to go get prayer. And, oh, man, it's going to feel so good. It's going to be different this week. And then they go out throughout the week, and then what happens? You know, it's another trouble. It's another flat tire. It's another a problem with their children at school. It's an unexpected bill. The roof, you know, at the house needs repair. And, and this is how Christians literally think about their life. I talk to Christians all the time, and this is what they think, like Christianity is, that they're always an empty cup just coming to church or reading their Bible to every now and then just get a little go, go. Just to get a little bit. Paul gave us an entirely different perspective of Christianity. And this is what literally takes faith. Because living like this is actually unbelief and requires zero faith. The world lives exactly like this. They get filled up a different way, but they get empty, and then they get filled, and they get empty, and they live for the weekends, their vacations, their whatever. And that's no different than the world. The only difference between you and them is you try to do nicer things to people. But that's not Christianity. Christianity is not moral deism. Like just God somewhere out there gave you a few commands to do and you're a better person now. That's not Christianity. As a matter of fact, the book of Ephesians, which we've been going through, emphasizes over 20 times, over 20 times the reality that the Christian is now in Christ, 
in Jesus, in him. It says it over 20 times because it wants you to get this revelation. You went from sinner to saint, and you went right into Jesus, baby. And so everything you've ever needed, this is where you are at now. And it goes actually to a whole nother level because Jesus is not just a pitcher of water. Imagine taking this example to the ocean or to the lake and then drowning that little shot glass in there. Jesus is more than enough. And he says, when you are in him, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And so when he said, be filled, he said, keep on being filled because you are in him. Somebody say, I'm in him. So as much of Jesus, as much of the Holy Spirit Jesus had, you have right now. As much of the Holy Spirit that floated on to the God-man that day is as much of the Holy Spirit as you have. And then it doesn't even stop there. Jesus then said, not only do I drown you in my presence and my love and my power, but he said, then out of your innermost being, I wish I could just turn on a fire hydrant right now, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. The waters will flow and water your garden, water everything in your life, and the waters will never fail. Never fail. That's Christianity. That's you and Jesus. So you may say, Pastor, well, what happens when I feel empty? The first thing is you're putting too much stock in your feelings. You're not, listen to me, you're not your feelings. I'll help you understand this. You're not your genitalia feelings. You're not your sexual organ feelings. You're not your adrenaline feelings. You're not your low serotonin depressive feelings. You are not your anxious, fearful feelings. You are a soul filled with the glory of God. So the first thing you do with your feelings is you get out a hammer and you get out a nail and you count them crucified with Christ on the cross. And you may say, Pastor... I don't know about that. I'm still going to therapy. Okay, go to Christian therapists and they'll get you to the point I just said. I'm not here to rush you in your process, but I'm here today to tell you that's where mental healing comes. It's when you believe you are who God said you are and you can do what God said you can do. I'm not here to lessen your trouble. I'm not here to say you don't really get sad in life. But the Bible says you will be like a well-watered garden. And the waters never fail. So what does that mean? When I go to the funeral, I'm going there as a well-watered garden. I'm, I'm the hardest day of my life, I never go there dry. The hardest days of our lives, and people have had them in this church, trust me. They have gone there as a well-watered garden with waters that never run dry. Alcohol, it runs dry, doesn't it? Sex runs dry. Money runs dry. Education, PhD, PhD, runs dry. Your friends, your family. I have a great family. Even with my wife and I, we get tired of each other sometimes. You go in that room, I go in this room. Let's rejuvenate and then get back together. We need time apart. You're Some of you are like, that will never happen. Okay, God bless you. You're better than me. But my wife and I sometimes get sick of each other. Sometimes I get tired of my kids. Okay, that just happens. It's just, there, there's just only so much another brain and mouth can do for me. 
I need the spirit now. I need depth now. Do you get it? I don't want to be more perverse than this, but it's like people tell me sex, sex is fun. I get it, but you haven't had enough then because I had it to the point where I knew it didn't make me happy. You say money makes you happy. Well, you haven't had enough then because you got to talk to some of my friends that have all they want, and they're still not happy. It doesn't satisfy, and it was never meant to. So, it, so it's, it's not that marriage is wrong. She does fulfill me in so many ways. But my wife, listen, this is big, get this. I want every young adult, especially every non-married person to get this. Marriage is wonderful. It's the closest relationship I've ever had in my life, right? Watch this, Other outside of Jesus. But my wife was never meant to be my God. Children are the greatest joy of my life. On the way driving here today, driving a minivan with my kids, looking at my daughter Hannah, Tears were coming down my eyes as I was singing a song. But my Hannah was never meant to be my God. She can't wrap me up in her love and fill every crack, every missing piece, every brokenness of my mind, which I've been through over the 41 years of my life. She can't do it, but the water of the Spirit works its way and fills in and fills up and makes whole, whole, whole. Listen to me. That shot glass is whole of water right now. It is full. The Lord is the only one that can fill the whole of your soul. And so when you're like this, and I was doing that silly illustration, you know, the hiccuping guy, but I'll just do it a little bit more serious this way. This is how you go to work. This is how you go to your job. This is how you go to your family reunion. This is how you do your hobbies. This is how you go shopping. I go shopping because I enjoy nice things, not to fill my soul. I go fishing not because I'm getting away from my family. My, my family's awesome. I go fishing because God fills me and blesses me in hobbies. Everything is seen from this perspective. I am never outside of him somewhere over here. Get this in closing, please. I am never outside of him somewhere over here begging him to come to me. I'm never out of him. I know we feel that way. I know David felt that way. It's an expression of the Bible. Where are you, God? Where are you? Even Jesus, when sin was upon him, he felt that. And that was real separation because sin does really separate us. But you read the rest of the psalm that Jesus said, my God, my God, Eli, Eli, Lama Sabachina, why have you forsaken me? But then it goes down to the end. You haven't left me. You're here for me. You will deliver me, and I will trust you. You read the end of the psalm. He trusted himself to his father even though he's feeling. I don't feel you. And so that's Christianity. Not trying to be full. Christianity is not trying to be full. That's Buddhism. Buddhism is trying to meditate their fullness. Islam, that's all the other religions of the world trying to get their fullness. Christianity is staying full. Staying full. You get the difference? I'm staying in here. I'm staying in Christ. When Judas walked away, he was walking away from that, the, the source of living water. When people walk away from Jesus, that's what they're walking away from. They're, they're, they're not... They're not smarter than you are. They're not stronger than you are. They're just deceived. When they think, well, I don't need all that church stuff. I do pretty good for myself. I don't need to come. They're deceived. This is where we all belong, and this is where we were made. 
And hear the scripture as we get ready to close. Altar workers and bands, band, come please. Paul said this when he was in Athens. In him, talking about God, in him we live and move and breathe and have our being. Can you think about that, how you be because he be right now? Would you just close your eyes and imagine what it's like to be enveloped by the love of God? Take it from the example of a pitcher of water and a glass. Go now into your heart and say, God, show me what it looks like to be in you today. For in you I live and move and be and have my being. I am a well-watered garden. Some of you use your imagination and think of your life as a garden and see the areas that may not be so well watered right now and say, Lord, fill them up. Water them. Water my marriage. Water my family. Use the mindset that Christ gave you to see it and start to pray it right now. The Bible says, ask, seek, and knock, and it will be done for you. If you've come here and you don't know Jesus, in an attitude of prayer, we're praying now. In an attitude of prayer, if you don't know Jesus, confess your sins. Confess those things that have put leaks in your bucket to make those holes in your soul. Confess them to God and say, Jesus, you be the Lord of my life. Be the one who fills me. In an attitude of prayer right now, we're going to pray for six things. I know it sounds like a lot, but I want you to do it. Right now, I want you to pray for three areas of your life that you need to surrender to God, to see the rivers of his water flow. Right now, start there. Pray for three areas of your life. You want to see the rivers of God's water flow. Right now, God, I want to see your rivers flow in my marriage. I want to see your rivers flow in my family. I want to see your rivers flow in the job that I work as a pastor. Pray for three areas. Now pray for three parts of your personal life. Characteristics. Maybe you've already started praying that. That's okay. But pray maybe for your attitude or or the way you are afraid of things or face problems in life, your fears. Ask God's river to flow right now to make you a well-watered garden. I want God to flow in every area of my life. Before we go, we're going to sing a song, but I want to make an attitude of prayer here. God is able to do more than we can ever imagine in our lives. As we begin to sing this song with the worship band, then we'll dismiss. And if you want to come up for prayer, even now you can. But I want to sing before we dismiss. As we do, I want you to stand as a sign of saying, God, fill me and flow through me over and over and over again. So stand as we begin to sing, please, but make a declaration and say it. I believe you're flowing in me and through me. Fill me over and over again. Just stand as you sense that faith come in your heart today. Believe it today, even as we sing it, saints. See, we're doing it, aren't we? We're being filled, we're not being drunk, and we're singing songs to each other with a grateful heart. Isn't this beautiful? Let's sing it out a few more times. Your power flows. It's flowing through your marriage. God's power's flowing through your life. Flowing through your children. Yes, touching. Touching every part of the world around me. Every part, every part. Your spirit.
never the same again. One more time, let's sing it out. Your power flows. Your power flows Let it wash away all your past. Let it wash away all of your sins. Yes, Lord. Oh, yeah. It's touching around me. Your spirit. Your spirit is in me. Now, as we get ready to sing the bridge, Jesus said to the woman at the well, Jesus said to the woman at the well, the water I give you will satisfy you and you will never thirst again. Jesus satisfies. You will never be empty again. I'm never empty. I'm never dry. You think that cup's ever going to be dry in that vase? You restore my soul. You satisfy. You think you could be thirsty in, the, in an ocean of clean water? You would never go thirsty again. Come on, saints. Sing it out today. Do you believe God's in this place? Yes. It doesn't matter what my feelings tell me. I believe it today. I'm in Christ. I'm never empty, I'm never dry. Let it flow through me. You restore my soul, you satisfy. Let it flow through me. I'm never empty, I'm never dry. Let it flow through me. You restore my soul, you satisfy. Never empty. I'm never empty, I'm never dry. You let it flow through me. You restore my soul, satisfied. I'm never, I'm never empty, I'm never dry. Let it flow through me. Restore my soul, satisfied. If you're by your spouse, will you hold their hands or your children? If you're by somebody you love, maybe just hold their hands. I just want to pray before we go that there will be a flow of the Spirit in your family, in your home, in our community, that we will not get drunk off wine that leads to debauchery. We will not be satisfied with the puddles of this world, but we will be filled and filled and overflowing with the Spirit that no one here will leave dry, that everyone here will leave filled of God in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Can we give it up for Jesus in the house of God? Hallelujah.